Tubals in a China Shop is brought to you by these great companies that are giving us money to let you listen to their stuff. Bullshit, Kyle. We make this show. We make this show. You and me. Tubals in a China Shop is brought to you by us. <laughs> Someone's got to pay the bills, Dan, because it's not our trading. <laughs> <laughs> All right, roll them. You are listening to an entertainment program put together by a company called Financial Ineptitude. Anything said on this show is not an endorsement or professional advice. Would you really want to tell a court of law you were suing us because you thought taking financial advice from two idiots on a podcast put out by Financial Ineptitude was a good idea? Really? Clown hats on your face. Well, hello and welcome to the China Shop. Kicking the door open today, letting everybody in. It's me, Shopkeeper Dan. With me, as always, is Kyle, creator of FinancialNeptitude.com. How are you doing today, Kyle? I'm doing good. Uh, it's a bit rainy. Just had a tried to grill in it, but, you know, toughed it out. <laughs> Rain grill. Uh, we are so excited. Uh, we have back with us in the shop today, Richard Friesen. How are you doing today, Richard? I'm doing just fine. Just got back from a trip down to Big Sur and Monterey and Highway 1, and you guys have experienced that, I think. Yes, and very uh, beautiful. Yes. Looking <laughs> over the edge as my eight-year-old grandson goes running up to the end to look down. <laughs> nice heart-stopping moment on an yes. otherwise pleasant drive. Yes. <laughs> Jeez, he's probably the adventurous one then, huh? Yeah, or, you know, at eight years old. Yeah. Yeah, I can remember being that age and, and being fascinated when my family took us to the Grand Canyon. And I didn't make it to, to the edge, but I definitely started running and, and it was grabbed very quickly. I think when we were, how old were we when we were in San Francisco, uh, walking across the Golden Gate Bridge? Was that 16? Oh, that was that Utah trip. They had that fence up there to keep people from jumping off. And I think you wanted to test it out to make sure. <laughs> it doesn't work. It doesn't work. <laughs> oh, yeah. God. See, just trying to keep people safe, Kyle. <laughs> trying to keep people yep. safe. Well, that's, that's kind of what we do, isn't it? We, we yeah. test out things. That, <laughs> that, yeah, that, that is the heart of this show. <laughs> that's that's funny. The heart of this show. Let, let's watch Dan test the, the safety rail on the Golden Gate Bridge. I haven't changed in 20 years. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. So we are so glad uh, to have Richard back. Uh, he is such a seasoned professional, and he's got so mm-hmm. much so much inside that brain of his we wanted to catch up with him and uh let him know where we're at and and see see what he thinks of our progress yes so as uh people heard uh, back in the march review we did come up with a list of shop uh shop rules i'm thinking that mm-hmm. maybe we should start mm-hmm. with that dan do you have the list handy i i certainly do I feel uh, like we right. probably should have memorized them if there are. <laughs> <laughs> I remember number one. There will be a lot. Uh, it'll be a lot easier once I get the uh, the song, the parody song finished and recorded, because then then you can remember it to music. Uh, the yeah. first one, the first one we have uh, was submitted by Kyle, though I've done it plenty of times. It was uh, double check, double check your order before you make it. <laughs> Is they give you that stupid confirm screen, and I don't know how many times you just click it without even looking at it. And this happens more on mobile phones than anything else, but I find where it'll switch the buy to open or sell to open to 
the opposite of what I want, really wanted to do. <laughs> and of course, because I'm setting my uh, my bid or my ask uh, at a spot where it's favorable to me, uh, when you flip it the other way, then it's super favorable to the other guy trying to sell it. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So yeah, I've been burned by that one a few times. R- Richard, is the is there often miscommunication like that where you'd have to double check that you're seeing what the what you think you're seeing? Sure. And what you know, I think you pointed out that's important is what's going on when you hit that order. There's a whole bunch of emotional uh, excitement. There mm. is mm-hmm. some concern. There is a, in other words, when you're about to hit the order, it's like when you're taking a shot when you're hunting. There's right. that just moment of precision. And as a result, your brain doesn't really have the extra bandwidth to take in what's going on. So it's, um, as you hit the order, in fact, you could even, well, yeah, you. Th- this is really a good exercise. So as you hit the order, do a quick what we call our set score, sensations, emotions, thoughts. Mm-hmm. What are my physical sensations? So right now, you know, the, where I'm kind of new to the broadcast and uh, we've just started and I haven't relaxed. I notice my stomach's a little bit tight, my chest a little bit tight. So I'm going to take a deep breath. Uh, emotionally, I feel funny and humorous or feel it's kind of light. Uh, my thoughts quality are fairly relaxed and easygoing. So I just did a really quick set score. So if you do your set score and notice what's going on, and then one of the things is to say, okay, what do I see? And then you can take a look at the order. So if you are aware and you accept what you notice, then you can take the next step and broaden the input and see what's going on. If, on the other hand, the tight stomach or the tight chest uh, or the excitement, emotion is where it's reactive, your higher level brain then doesn't have the chance to really look at the order. Um, so that's a, you know, I, in, in the book that I just wrote and is uh, pretty well finished now, and we can talk about that later, yes. is yeah. that I read it out loud. Oh, my gosh. All the things that I thought were clear, because when I read it to myself, right, my brain knows what it's saying, it interprets mm-hmm. it, and it allows it to override what's really there. Well, so this is a thought. Uh, you can say, I am buying 50 uh, April 25 calls at such and such a price. Uh, mm-hmm. Saying out loud, loud, just like reading the book out loud, allows your uh, brain to really look. That's interesting. I found that when writing articles for our website too. Is uh, by the time I give them to the wife to do uh, like a quick review to make sure the grammar and everything's correct. Like as she's reading it, I'm usually going back through and reading it again. And then mm-hmm. after I put myself out of the write mindset and into the reading mindset, then suddenly things start popping up again that I didn't notice when I was putting it together yep. before I gave it to her. Yep. Uh, sometimes I'll write something, my wife will read it. What the blank does this paragraph trying to say? And I'll say, oh, it's trying to say A, B, C, D. Pause. Well, why didn't you write that? <laughs> I like that, uh, that, that idea of taking a break and assessing yourself, though, before you finish. 
Yeah. Uh, that's something that we do safety wise in the steel industry before you jump into a job is you, mm-hmm. you're supposed to stop, take a couple minutes, assess the job, look for things that can hurt you, come up with the plan and then go to it. Cause there's mm-hmm. always uh, you know, same with trading. You're trying to get it in. You want to get it now before mm-hmm. the price changes mm-hmm. and you know, it doesn't really change that much. And it's also cheaper to get it right than it is to <laughs> get it Ooh, fast yeah. and wrong. <laughs> That's an excellent point. Yeah. Pa- patience is definitely one of my big issues at the moment. Right. I, so I, I, I open, yeah, I open the app and I want, I want to trade. I want to be trading it. it having positions like isn't, isn't mm-hmm. good enough. So I'm always, you know, I, 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 I'm getting better at it, but uh, I'm always popping it open and thinking like, what's my next trade? What can I do? Oh, I know I'm waiting for this price. Maybe if I nudge it down a little bit, I, I can get it to, I could sell that contract today. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that's something if you want to take a look at, we can uh, oh. go a little bit deeper into the driver. Well, I, I know Kyle, Kyle, Kyle would like that to happen because uh, he felt like a, I wasn't so emotionally exposed last visit. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just asking for a friend because I don't do that, obviously. Mm, Yes. All all of my clients uh, bring their friends to for therapy. And no, yeah. So the- <laughs> right, 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 right. I mean, my friend's too too proud to show up, so I'm doing it for him. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. Mm-hmm. Hey, Dan, don't you want to ask him about this problem you have? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. You probably have a list of my problems longer than a list of shop rules. <laughs> okay, shop rules. What's next? All right. Number two is log everything. Okay. What's everything? All your trades. Whenever you're making any trades, you need to be putting it in your logs and analyzing why you did it and whether or not it worked as you expected. Mm -hmm. Sometimes, or at least lately, I've been getting kind of slack and keeping that that log going. Mm -hmm. So I've been taking a lot more effort to try to make sure I'm putting that together. If you don't know what you're doing and if it's working, then how can you possibly analyze whether you're getting better as a trader? So here's what I'm going to offer you guys is our Mind Metrics program. Mm. And this is a whole revolutionary way to log your trades. And what we do is, and I just demonstrated earlier, the sensations, emotions, thoughts. Okay. What we do is we log those every day so that we can see how we're doing uh, emotionally or with each trade, depending on how frequently you trade. Mm-hmm. We also look at the behaviors. For example, uh, one behavior is I'm just eager to trade and I want to trade now and I'll push uh, my strategy to, to make a trade because I need the action. So that's one behavior. We look mm-hmm. at the positive intent of that behavior. It might be to relieve emotional stress or whatever it is. Then we look at what would we prefer instead. When we look at that, we say, I would like to execute the system, be patient, and have a powerful mindset and be a master trader who waits and allows the market to settle to a point where it's just right. So that's what we want instead. So what we do is we measure ourselves on those behaviors. We measure our emotional response. And then in the mind metrics, we measure something that is uh, can be like a brick on the forehead. <laughs> what we do is we measure our lousy and lucrative trades. And a, a lucrative trade is a trade where we 
Our set scores are within a range. We are following our system. We are waiting for the setup. We're waiting for the execution. We allow the trade to go to our target price or if we have other parameters such like if a trade lasts for more than uh, two hours, that means you know we get out or there's something intervening and we follow the system. So if we look at our lousy and lucrative trades, and I wish I could bring up a, an example here, but some traders find out if when they follow the system, they are immediately profitable, but their lousy trades sometimes lose five, 10 times as much as their profitable mm-hmm. systems make. And if they just stayed with their system, they would be immediately profitable. So Mind Metrics Journal is our set scores. What is our sensations, our emotions, thoughts? It is the behaviors that no longer serve us and the behaviors we want. And then is this a lousy or a lucrative trade? And it's in a vertical thing. So you can see immediately, and then you put the P&L for the trade. Mm-hmm. So you can see immediately these impacts, mm. how they impact your P&L. And it is eye-opening. And because they're, we have this all color-coded, so whenever you enter a number, it turns it into a color. And I, as a coach, can look at this and within five seconds know exactly what the issue is when we set up a session with the client. I mean, it is just hmm. so crystal clear. In fact, I was even thinking about starting a group where everybody puts this stuff online so that we know that when you come to the group that they are going to be looking at this. And I was just wondering if how that peer pressure might impact us in that moment when we want to be impulsive and that impulse takes over. If having that higher level review coming up, if that wouldn't... uh, impact that impulsivities uh, a bit. Yeah, I think yeah. 100% it would. I know just doing this show with Dan, even just reporting to Dan, uh, let mm-hmm. alone the listeners, uh, mm-hmm. it, it keeps me from being a lot more impulsive than I think I normally would be. That's wonderful. Yeah, you can credit Dan for your success then. Uh, I don't know if they can call it success yet. Uh, I think we need to <laughs> right? see a few right? more positive months before we can you know, co- declare the markets conquered. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll take 10%, Kyle. No problem. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> I wish I could say Kyle's made me better, but I have no shame. So I don't uh, Peer pressure doesn't work that well for me in that manner. No, but I think just bouncing ideas off of each other has helped too. So if you're talking about a community as well where there's interaction, I think that would help. You know, certainly, certainly. And and the the doing the show with you has helped me immensely. If you just look at what I was doing last summer versus what I'm doing now, I mean, it's it's incredible. But the, there's the money difference. in your account. So. <laughs> yeah, there, there's yeah, there's there's a lot more money in my account than there was. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'll be doing something right. Um, so is are those uh, those logs those set logs with the profit and loss, are those available on your website, Richard? Uh, yeah, they're, uh, the Mind Metrics program is available uh, through our Compass co- online course okay. uh, because you need some background, a little bit mm-hmm. of training, some reframes in order to do this because this takes us out of the mindset that is not productive and takes us to a new mindset. And that shift is 
is significant. And if we look at our brains as a series of neural connections, what we're looking at doing is creating new neural connections Mm -hmm. around behaviors that serve us better. But just like any habit, any creating new behaviors, creating those new neural connections requires some intention. And that intention happens easily or most easily if they feel better. So what I do with my clients is I will prime them. I will say something like, they'll say, well, God, I really should think about my trades beforehand. And I I really got to make sure that they're, geez, they're, you know, they're following the system. So I'll say, may I rephrase that? I'll pause. Okay. It feels so wonderful when I'm operating from my highest trading self. I follow the system. I allow the losses and profits to just take care of themselves. It feels so good to be a master trader and trade from that mindset. And I ask them to repeat that in their own terms. If we say, I need to do this, I should do this, I'm going to fight this, I need more discipline. Right now, I'm I'm pushing my two fists together and I'm pushing hard equally. So what that language represents is this internal struggle where our discipline, oh, and our impulse are fighting each other. So I reframe it entirely to an invitation to a state that just feels better, honors our values, and gets us to our goals. Now, that reframe is huge because most of us have motivated ourselves through our lives by self-criticism, by uh, judging ourselves, by pushing ourselves. And as a result, the thought of, oh my God, not judging myself, not criticizing myself, not pushing, Mm -hmm. oh, nothing will happen. And my response is, it's going to be so amazing as you step into this wonderful state of rapport with yourself and rapport with the market and following your system. How good does that feel? And it's a revolution to move from discipline and self-judgment to an invitation to a state that just feels so much better. It's like going from conflict to cooperation. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good point. Damn. I learned so much when we talked to Richard. It's incredible. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, oh yeah. yeah. How are you not more famous? <laughs> <laughs> oh. Everybody should be should know who you yeah. are. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, we'll see what happens with the book and yeah. uh, some of these principles are built into the book. So, uh, but you know, it's like I'll t- I'll tell you, nobody wake no traders wake up in the morning and say, "Huh. What I really want to do with my day is to really be more aware of all the issues I have, to look at all the hurts and pains that I have hidden from myself and really become aware of the traumas I've had and the behaviors that no longer serve me. Boy, that's what I want to do today. Who who, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, who on the internet could really help guide me through that? <laughs> right. Now, if I were to say, 
Kyle and Dan, I'm going to double your profits every month. You're going to make so much money that you're going to fulfill your dreams. You're going to have Ferraris. You're going to have mansions. You're going to get laid every day. I mean, this is going to be super, and I guarantee it. I would think you're lying. (laughs) Now, hold on, Kyle. Let the man speak. You think I'm lying, but there are people whose heart is empty and that dream is so enticing that Mm -hmm. they will deny their rational ability and fall for it. Mm -hmm. I have uh, an audio called uh, The Con Artist and How to Be One. And the advantage a con (laughs) artist has, and I can... I have this skill. I can do it myself, although I'm a good guy and uh, rarely do it. But if I'll talk to somebody and I will drill down and find out what their dream is, what their hopes are, what they long for, what is that hole in their heart? What are they missing? What is their pain? And as a con artist, since you don't have to deliver reality, Mm -hmm. you now can, you have the key to their heart. And my father was duped by multiple con artists over his life, <laughs> losing lots of money because he was his dreams, he was so eager to fill his dreams that all they had to do is find out what they were and then give him his dream. And once you do that, all of a sudden your higher level self, your rational self, no longer has any access to your decision process. Sounds like the dark side of psychology. Yeah. So what's really important in trading is to find out what your hidden hopes and your hidden dreams are. And I think we've mentioned this last time that if every time there's a tick in your direction and you're making money and you go, oh yeah, my dreams are going to come true. I'm going to be great. You know, my parents will respect me. Uh, my my wife will love me. I'll make more money. I'll have, uh, you know, my my yacht, my my plane, and I'll have all this stuff, and I'll be somebody, and I'll be worthwhile. If every tick is a referendum on your dream, the pressure to trade and impulsively trade is going to be so great that your higher self, your higher trading self won't even have a chance. So for your traders out there is find out what hidden dreams do you have around trading? And are you bringing those to every trade? And if so, then the pressure is going to be too great to make rational decisions. Hmm. That's a good point. I think we've all felt that when the, the market's ticking up that, or when it turns and goes the other way. Mm-hmm. Ah, shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there goes the boat. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> there goes the boat. Uh, you can see it sinking. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. All right. Should, should, we, uh, should we move on with the list? Um, we're going to have a hard time getting through everything we want to get through if we... Keep going at this pace. Yeah, we're we're totally inefficient here. We're just not doing our job. <laughs> I think uh, some of the uh, <laughs> some of the other ones here kind of all go together. I think we kind of cover like the no impulsive bandwagging trading. Uh, net seller of options is is one that I submitted, and I think did I get any pushback on that from you, Dan, or is that? Yeah, I'm wondering if if that time? isn't 
I mean, I, I agree with the strategy that you're doing. You should be a net seller of options, but I don't think that that should be like a, a rule for anyone out there trading. Okay. So what we learned from talking to some of our other guests is we started thinking of options as, you know, insurance, which mm-hmm. is, you know, what they really are. They're protecting mm-hmm. you in case the stock shoots up or shoots in case up. it tanks, you know, depending puts or mm-hmm. calls. Um, so what I've been doing this last month is trying to work out a strategy to where I can just generate a monthly income selling puts and calls, mm-hmm. uh, cash secured puts and uh, covered calls mm-hmm. on a select number of securities that I have much more intimate familiarity with. Well, selling premium, you, what you pointed out is really, really just right on. It's like being an insurance company. Mm-hmm. And occasionally, there's a hurricane and an earthquake. So what you're betting is a whole bunch of small gains against the potential for a large loss. Now, if you're covered, uh, you know, you can or you put on complex butterflies and condors and reverse condors. And I, I, I don't even know what to, I <laughs> traded options for 20 years professionally on the floor. Right. And I don't even know what what those things, all those positions are but uh in, in fact i don't know if i mentioned it but i gave a presentation to the silicon valley options group so this is the the techies the there's maybe a hundred people in the group mm-hmm. and i had them all close their eyes and i said how many of you are consistently profitable or have been profitable over the last few years out of a, maybe a hundred people, three hands went up. Wow. 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 That's crazy. Yeah. And that is because they dealt in these complex things. And then if it wasn't going the way they would put on this to balance that, and then they would cover that with this. And so they, they, they didn't understand the basics of options, especially it used to be that options really got far away from value when we were on the floors and just started. Oh my gosh, you could put on reversals and conversions for a a locked in profit. I mean, it was just crazy. Uh, But right now the, for the most part, options are driven by algorithms that just keep everything so in line that you need to have a different edge. And by putting on complex positions, uh, what you're doing is you're actually uh, giving away your edge because the more positions you have on, the more they are going to approach value. Uh. Uh, So uh, I I know traders who trade directionally with options, uh, but some of them don't even understand the primacy of implied volatility. And as an option trader, that's all I traded was implied volatility. We've uh, just started dipping our toes into that realm. <laughs> okay, excellent. Oh, Having that is so that. good. Uh, what I did when I was on the floors is this was before we had everything computerized, is I had these huge, uh, what, two foot by three foot graphs. And I would uh, chart the at the monies. You know, the calls and puts that were closest to the at the money, the implied volatility, mm-hmm. the 20 delta, if you understand what that is. Mm-hmm. So that's the out of the money 
uh, 20 delta, and I would chart the implied volatility there of the calls and puts. Uh, then uh, what I would do is then chart the price, and this is all by hand again. So what you find out, there's, there's waves of volatility, and they correlate with the movement of the what that time was the underlying stocks. And of course, and it still is the case, as the market moves down swiftly, swiftly the implied mm -hmm. volatility goes up. If you get a slow uptrend in the stock, the implied volatility goes down. Right. So what I did is I just charted the implied volatility and bought and sold options depending on that. But a lot of option traders aren't even aware of that or they're aware of the definition of it. But they make their trades without a, a complete understanding. Where is the implied volatility? Is it historically low? Is it historically high? If you're selling premium at a historically low implied volatility, the risk there is far greater mm -hmm. than when you are at a very high level. Now, at a high level, you have a lot more volatility, and there's a different kind of risk, but, but at least you have the ability the possibility that you're going to make significant uh, money as that Im uh, implied volatility starts to collapse. So you have to look at that from that framework. And so I advise everybody to, you know, if you're on thinkorswim or whatever you are, mm -hmm. to chart the implied volatility if you have to. Chart it by hand as a physical way to just really get it ingrained in your in your mind in a way that you you get an understanding of its rhythms. So so uh, you're talking about uh, when implied volatility is low, then that's when you're looking to, to buy uh, the like the calls. Well, you know, you, low volatility can go on for a long time. Yeah. So I'll give you a story. <clears throat> um, and uh, was making a lot of money uh, trading options on my own, and the uh, markets went quiet for a couple or well, several months, and I got bored. <clears throat> then I went off to start a, a, another company, which is a was a huge mistake, not just because of the result, but because I did it out of boredom and needed some excitement. So I came back to the floor after losing. <laughs> all my trading capital, <laughs> right? <laughs> and and um, uh, Micron was this was uh, uh, ninety five or something had been just going down, and uh, people were coming in and just selling premium. That's what the firms were doing. The retail was doing, and so you step into the pit, and somebody says. Uh, I don't even remember what they were, but they ate 40 calls. And I would say three and a quarter bid at a half. And they'd say sold at a quarter. So you, then you'd be three and an eighth at three and three eighths, sold at an eighth. So you, you ended up wanting to or not ending up with a lot of premium. And it was just killing me. And the little money I had in my trading account was dwindling to the point where I was afraid I'd get a tap on the shoulder from the clearing firm. Hmm. But all of a sudden, Micron just took off. Uh, and there were only a couple, three of us traders, and it was like money. I mean, it just flowed. I made more <laughs> in two months than I made normally in a year. But oh, wow. had 
uh, Micron premium stayed low, it could have very well put me out of business. So, you know, you, you got to look at risk assessment. But if you know where the implied volatility is, you can start to know where your risk is. So in that example, uh, when you were buying the Micron, you were, you were buying calls? Yeah, well, for again, uh, I trade implied volatility. Right. So it didn't matter if I was buying calls or puts. That was irrelevant because what I did was I kept myself what's called delta neutral. So example, right. if I bought 150 delta calls, that means... I needed to sell an equivalent delta amount of stock against it. So my only position was the implied volatility. So if I bought calls, for example, and sold the stock against them, when the market went up, my calls would go up in more in value than the stock I lost. So then what I could do is the stock went up, I would get longer, I would sell the sum of the stock, the stock would go down, I would get shorter, then I would buy more of the stock. So even if a stock didn't go anywhere, I could pump that premium because I'm getting longer as it goes up and shorter as it goes down. So I could pump that premium. If on, on the other hand, I was short, and again, it doesn't matter if I'm short calls or puts because if I'm short puts, I'm going to sell the stock uh, to balance against it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if I'm short, on the other hand, and the market starts to go up, I'm getting shorter, I would start to buy, you know, at the higher prices. If it starts to go down, I need to sell. Mm-hmm. So if the stock is relatively quiet, my buys and sells are there, and I just get the advantage of having, uh, as the uh, price of the option goes down with decay with time, then I get to make that decay. If, on the other hand, the market moves radically during that time, then I keep buying tops and selling bottoms, and I tend to, you know, it tends to be a losing position. But again, it's just implied volatility that I'm trading. And so if I'm charting implied volatility, I can take a reasonable guess as whether I want to be a buyer or a seller. Okay. So you're, yeah, once you know where it wants to be at normally, then you decide based on whether it's above or below. Yeah. That currently. Right. So uh, okay. another option story. I was just starting trading <clears throat> for CRT. Excuse me. I was just starting to trade for CRT, which is a large option trading firm. Mm-hmm. And we were trading stocks for the first time. I was on the Pacific Exchange. And the stock com disco, there was a big accounting fraud or something. It dropped 30, 40%. Uh, the implied volatility in the options went to like 70, 80, 85. And so I got a call. I wasn't trading in the Comdisco pit at that time. So I got mm-hmm. a call and says, we want to sell some premium. So I went in and Rich Friesen, philosophy major, very careful, looked. And there were some options at 85 uh, implied volatility. And I sold 10 or 20 of them. I forget what. And I went back to the phone and said, okay, yeah, we sold uh, 15, 20 options of this strike, you know, at this implied volatility. And I remember Gus on the end of the line says, uh, Rich, no, we want to sell a lot more. So I went back. <laughs> Again, I looked carefully. I, I looked at the, all the calls, the puts, where were the premium, the highest, and I sold, uh, I don't know, 50 more. I says, okay, Gus, we've, we've sold. And he says, just a moment, Rich. 
There was silence on the phone. I heard him in the background talking to somebody else. And the owner of the firm, Joe Ritchie, came on and he said, Rich, should we give this to a broker? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, MG. I went back and Rich Friesen, both hands up, palms away, sold, sold, sell you 50, sell you 100, sell you 50. I drove the, I personally drove the implied volatility from around 75, 80, all the way down to 60. Oh my gosh. So I came back, we sold a thousand or so options and uh, the volatility then just collapsed down to 40, the implied volatility. Again, you just notice I'm talking about implied volatility. Right. That's what we traded. And uh, there was almost a half million dollars in my account from that yeah. trade alone. That's crazy. Uh, I think I think we just lost Dan. Um, yes, we did. God damn it. All right. So we're learning some issues with Zencaster, it looks like. All right, Dan, did you get back in? I did. Hello. It sounded like you were tearing up your office is what it sounded like, Dan. <laughs> Throwing your chair around or something? Uh, yeah, you know, I, I got really angry at hearing how Richard wasn't buying enough of that uh, that that option, those options. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I just wanted to smash stuff. <laughs> well, just, well, that is a that. Dan. That's a wonderful awareness of your emotional <laughs> state. And I, as a therapist. really support these awarenesses that you have of your anger. So let's talk about your mom and dad and where this anger is coming from. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Yes, Dan. Dan. Let's talk about, let's talk about your impulsivity. Mm, mm. Yes. Yes. My impulsivity (laughs) to, to throw office chairs and, and get angry at hearing stories. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I think it all started when I first came to America on a boat with my as an immigrant child. Yeah, <laughs> I got separated by my family. That sounds like a from lie. the old country. Uh, I think are you? Telling we were the, trying to get away from cats. Are you telling that the there were too many cats in the oh old my country? God, <laughs> yeah, that's an American tale, Dan. That's that's not your lie. You're doing it again. What? That's, that's no, I'm I'm pretty sure I was separated <laughs> from my parents, and we had a big adventure. And eventually, I made my way out west. Yeah, that was the sequel. <laughs> that was. Oh, was well, that the uh, I have now learned not to go into Dan's past at all. Dan's that past is, is terrifying. That that's a dead end street. <laughs> In fact, nor- normally I encourage people to really become aware of all the traumas in their past. Mm. But I think with Dan, we just should seal them up, concrete and rebar, and not look at them. <laughs> Stuff it down with brown. Your therapist tells yeah, right. <laughs> Stuff it down with brown. Like, you know what? You know what, Dan? It's not worth yeah, it. Just, bottle that uh, shit up. Just, <laughs> just shut the door. <laughs> just, just bottle. You better bottle that. Yeah. And anyhow, Kyle, did we want to, uh, I believe we, we had, had some more stuff? Uh, I got through most of the stuff I did. I got some fun stuff prepared for Richard, but uh, if you've got anything else that you want to go through, or if we want to let Richard talk about his book that's coming up and some of the other stuff that he's got to promote. I mean, I, I did have uh, a couple of things I wrote down uh, that I was wondering if I could uh, uh, see if Richard would, if has any experiences from the trading floor 
did you ever have you ever seen that movie Rudy? No, I don't recall that. Richard, that's the one about the okay, guy so the, at Notre the, Dame, the football player. No, I no, I, don't, I haven't seen that. Yeah, and then the in the the important scene is the underdog. He he fights the whole time to get on the team, and then he has his moment, and they end up the whole team carries him on their shoulders off the field in celebration at the end of the film. And I wondered if there were any moments you ever experienced where somebody did something that was just so awesome that uh, ever everyone maybe they didn't obviously. It'd be absurd to think that somebody got carried off the trading floor. But uh, was there anything where you felt like uh, the, a thing happened? Everybody's like, "That guy did a great thing today. He's awesome." Uh, nothing comes to mind. I know there are times when I saw something that everybody was missing, mm. but it's not like we're on the same team. It's like if I'm winning, you may be losing. <laughs> oh, gotcha, gotcha. And there may not be a full appreciation of the fact that you weren't on my team at that time. <laughs> ah, okay, okay. So, but, so what was the time that you you noticed something nobody else seemed to notice? Sure. Um, let's see a couple of stories. the The most important part of understanding the markets is transitions. Mm -hmm. That if the market maintained the same pattern for a long period of time, we'd all be rich. Yeah. An example of that was the dot-com boom, where people came off the street, didn't know anything about stocks or markets or no history. They sat in a physical trading room at that time, and everybody made a lot of money. But then, of course, the market, uh, what we call the market mood, shifted, and they started losing. So mm -hmm. on the floor, <clears throat> I remember a time when there was these patterns of the implied, again, going back to implied volatility, that would just, you know, we're selling it high, buying it low, selling it high. And I smelled something that was different. The firms were coming in a little different. There was a little bit different size. And I says, man... This position, this spread, these huge spreads we had on, mm -hmm. um, there's something wrong. And everybody else was putting more on. These spreads were getting wider, <clears throat> and they were selling more. They were selling, man, we've been selling these at, you know, X, and now we're selling them at uh, X plus 15%. Wow, is this wow. great? This is even better. And I thought, no, we've shifted the market. So now I had to be on the other side, the same side is the orders coming in and it was a little work to get out of them but I got out of them and then I put more on I know I bought more of the spread rather than selling it uh -huh. and all of a sudden it just exploded and when it exploded all these guys like who had put on huge amounts because it was such a safe bet all of a sudden had to get out <laughs> now I had what they called is bullets in other words I had something to sell because I had worked myself into the opposite position. Right. And then I could just sit back and I could sell. And they were desperate because some of them could go out of business. And so then making that sale was one of the busiest or most profitable days of my career. So we talk a lot at Mind Muscles about the market mood. 
and being really sensitive to shifts. What are the critical factors? We have an exercise where you print out the market you're trading and then you circle the different market moods or the different market conditions. And you might come up with five or six or eight of different types of market. You know, one could be very volatile in a range. One could be very quiet up. One could be quiet down. And and you give those names. And then you look for what are the indicators of those market moods. Mm -hmm. And then get very sensitive to shifts. Because I have some clients that have been very profitable. They've got their system. They've honed it. And then the market mood shifts. (laughs) And then they try harder. They tweak the system. They put more on. They have been so rewarded for doing A that that has become part of of their neurochemical uh, pleasurable shift to keep doing A. But when the market mood shifts, they just hang on. So knowing and being really intent on finding out when a market mood is shift is about to happen is where the biggest profits and the biggest losses are. Hmm. That's interesting. And was it all just intuition that keyed you in or was it just the, the fact that it was different? Yeah, it's, it's the fact. I think that one of the things is we talked about earlier, your dreams. Mm-hmm. When you have this thing and you've just done well and you've done well over and over again, that that experience is so powerful, you don't want to let it go. Right. Whereas my experience is, oh my gosh, am I becoming cocky and overconfident? Am I getting a thrill from doing this same thing over and over again? What, as my higher self say, are we ready for a market mood shift? Mm-hmm. And I would go into every day and say, how are they going to get me today? That my pleasure <laughs> is not why I'm here. Right. Mm-hmm. Just just being hyper aware then. Yes. It seems like that's the key. Yeah, we were, we were just talking uh, on our episode we recorded yesterday about how the, I, I was looking at the news and I found seven stories about how the market's about to hit a big correction and uh, how that that's just a consistent theme in a bull market you you just every week you seem to have analysts predicting the oncoming correction but uh, mm-hmm. uh this is this is the first i've i've spoken to somebody that i felt like really has been in a spot where they're watching the market and feeling uh and, and now you put it in this vocabulary the market mood shifting yeah I, you know if if there's enough people saying there there's going to be a correction and that seems to be the powerful meme, then the chances are it's not going to be a correction. Because if everybody believes it, everybody's prepared for it, everybody has their position in the market to handle that, then there is uh, not a lot of pressure for that to happen. Right. Is that why Buffett says be greedy when others are fearful and fearful Mm -hmm. when others are greedy? Yep. Yeah, that's a good one. So it's not necessarily a self-fulfilling prophecy. It's more of a, the opposite no. of that. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the problem, of course, is that the markets can continue. It's like, uh, I don't know if you guys are old enough to have watched uh, Wiley e. Coyote in the cartoons. Oh, yeah. You know, go over the cliff and he's running and he's running. 
And then all of a sudden he looks down. And the, then as soon as he realizes yeah. there's nothing under his feet, right. he starts to That's fall. That's when he falls. Well, yeah. we can, the markets can run on air for a long time. Mm-hmm. And the rational people, I mean, like I had a, many years ago, a hedge fund manager who came to me, professional trader, several million dollars, many millions of dollars under uh, management. And he had shorted Tesla. Mm-hmm. Rational Tesla didn't have a chance. You know, the guy was an egomaniac. <laughs> he's, he's going against GM and Ford. What chance does Tesla have? Right. <laughs> and he, so he uh, shorted it at like 75, and he had oh. lost half of his, uh, his hedge fund. Oh, man. Mm. So, uh, you know, it's, wow. it's, it's fascinating, but... Uh, uh, yeah, but rationality mostly, doesn't uh, always rule the day. <laughs> it no, it doesn't. It's people's perceptions of the markets mm-hmm. are more important than actually the markets themselves because it's the perceptions that drive it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're seeing that a lot with uh, earnings calls, where we'll read through the earnings call results and be like, "This is great news," but uh, the stock price falls anyway. Yeah, yeah, um, that is so typical because. Uh, everyone's expecting X, so everyone buys X, you know, buys the the stock, uh, and then they're getting ready to sell on the good news. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, there's no buyers. Right. <laughs> I like watching for those dips when their earnings are, are really good, and then I'll go scoop mm-hmm. up some stairs after it dips. On. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like I think six months ago, Costco ended up doing that, put out some decent earnings, and then just tank the day, next day uh after the report came out i was like mm-hmm. okay well those weren't bad i'll buy some of that <laughs> right, right yeah exactly you know what are people prepared for right um oh my gosh some horror stories on the floor of this we had gone through several cycles where uh people were buying ahead of the earnings reports because it was a time when earnings were exceeding expectations. Mm -hmm. So she bet everything she had on an option because this had worked for three or four times and the market shift was about to happen and it didn't. And so she lost all of her savings. She was a clerk on the floor. And uh, so again, you got to watch those market mood shifts. I think, what was the phrase we came up with then when we first started doing this? It works till it doesn't. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> It'll work three times in a row, and then that fourth time you learn every, you lose everything that you made on the previous three. <laughs> Shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you make a good point. If it did the same thing all the time, then there'd be a lot more millionaires out yeah, there. Yeah, yeah we'd all be rich. rich. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, Kyle, you want to you wanna move on to the fun and games? Oh, okay. All right. Let me, uh, let me pull up my charts here. So, Richard, I've prepared something here for you, a little quiz uh, about hand signals. Oh, no. I don't remember any hand signals. Come on. Don't do this to me. All you have to do is you have to tell me if the hand signal is for a trading pit or baseball or if it's a mobile crane signal. (laughs) Oh, no. Come on. I I don't know anything about any of those. Uh, you don't know okay, I'll oh, take guess. Right. I'll take guesses. Okay, all right. all right. We'll start with we'll start with an easier one here. Let me see if I can find it here. 
All right. One finger pointing down to the ground. What is that? Is that baseball? Is that a crane? Or is that trading? Uh, I guess crane. That is baseball. That's a fastball. Okay. (laughs) All right. All right. Let's try another one. All right. One finger pointing up in the air, twirling in a clockwise direction. Well, it's not trading. Uh, Crane? That is definitely a crane. Okay. So um, a stop clock is right twice a day. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let's try another one here. Let's see. Oh, just lost my shot. Okay, palm out, two fingers parallel to the floor. What does that mean? Uh, or what is that? Uh, that's trading? Yes. Do you know what it means? Uh, don't remember, but I remember that it was from the floor. Let's see. I think palm out was cell. Cell. And then the two parallel is seven. Okay. All right. You want one more? Should we do one more? All right. Two thumbs pointing in the opposite directions uh and then like moving oh god i don't know how to describe the movement well you put your hands in front of you with your palms facing up and your thumbs pointing away from each other and then you move your hands apart from each other uh, i'm gonna say baseball no that is another crane another crane (laughs) i could have just i should have (laughs) just Just guess crane. Could have stuck with one and you would have, oh, you still got one out of four. That's not bad. <laughs> no, two out of four. Two out of four. Oh, you got, gosh. Yeah, you got 50%. I'll give you that. Kyle, Kyle, what what is the uh, the gesture if I take my center finger and point it upward, uh, palm facing towards me? With a closed fist? <laughs> with a closed fist. <laughs> <laughs> Richard, you got any ideas? <laughs> Yeah, that that's a symbol of setting your boundaries in a positive way and allowing other people to fully appreciate the emotional intensity that is going on inside you and sharing yes. your most heartfelt emotions yes. in a time where the other person may not fully perceive how you're feeling and how you're being hurt. Oh, dude, yeah. It's, yeah. I'm guessing you had to write a paper on that at one point. <laughs> <laughs> the most beautiful description of that I've ever of, heard. Of the, of the finger, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, goodness. All right. Richard, do you want to let the people know uh, what you got going on and where they can find this stuff? Yeah, uh, my, my biggest love right now is my Conversations with Money book. I'm looking at our current culture, the young people. We're out of rapport with -hmm. our feelings about money, wealth, success. And there's just so many internal conflicts, especially with people with really good hearts and want the world to be a better place. So I wrote the book, Conversations with Money. It's about Joe, a, uh, a journalist who is just conflicted all over the place. And he has a series of conversations with a character, Money. And he also has a love interest with Julie. And we go through basic principles under the guise of conversations. And Joe fights every step of the way. So what I'm doing now that the book is ready to go is I'm doing a pre-release copy along with weekly meetings and an online course that allow people who are not having the relationship with money and not getting the results they want 
to have them work on it. And as you know from our last session, we did some hot seat work. Mm-hmm. And that's the kind mm-hmm. of work that we can do. So if yeah. they're interested, they can send me an email and I will put them on the list. And you can just send rich at mindmuscles.com. That's okay. plural, rich at mindmuscles.com. And just say conversations with money. And I will add you to the list. And when we are ready to release the dates and sign people up, uh, I will let you know. My wife uh, just got the, the copy of the manuscript. She's reading through it. I'm waiting patiently to get my turn at it. Let's see. So we'll put the links to all that stuff in the description. Yeah. And we'll also put a link to your Mind Muscles uh, webpage. Right. Yeah. Yeah we, other- yeah, we have an, uh, for traders who want to have an assessment of their mindscape, there's a free assessment there they can take. We have online courses you can take a, a, a buy out yourself. And the most aggressive way is uh, personal coaching with me. And my mm. God, is that fun. I, <laughs> I, I, I will hang in there with you while you're trading. We'll do hot seat work in that actual moment. We do the Mind Metrics Journal, which I'm going to send you guys. And uh, we can maybe look whether we want to include that as part of the program. There's just so many wonderful things to do as you start to feel better about yourself you start to operate from your higher self. You start to move forward and get the results you want. That feels so much better than judging yourself, beating mm-hmm. yourself up, yes. and trying to force yourself to discipline. Oh, my God, let's step into that more wonderful world that feels good and gets you to your goals. We yes. might have to redo our good, bad, and the ugly segment to, to be a little more positive. I'm going to invite myself. <laughs> right. I'm, well, I'm really excited to, to start working <laughs> with the, the journal stuff. And uh, we could very yeah, well reassess too. the good, the bad, and the ugly to, to reflect, uh, you know, your set score, uh, you know, uh, as, as we log them all. Like, what was, what was the good, the bad, and the ugly from that? Mm-hmm. Okay. I know, will and- set you guys up, send you emails, and we can talk about how to move forward. Oh, that sounds great. Oh, fantastic. Uh, Dan, you got anything else to to cover here? No, no. This has been uh, such a, a, another great, wonderful call. Every time. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Richard. You, you are, you're amazing. Oh, you guys are so much fun. I would pay to do it. Oh, Oh, well. well. (laughs) (laughs) Let me turn off Uh, the recorder. I'll take your credit card. Hold on. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Uh, do we mess yeah. up, Dan? Are we supposed to be charging for any of this stuff? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Uh, what kind of person right. charges somebody to talk to them, Kyle? A therapist? Come on. I, know, I don't right? think that low. <laughs> I wouldn't think that low. Uh, no. We signed, yeah, we signed up on the guest exchange. Yeah, that. They said never charge. I'll never charge a guest to be on our show. That's ridiculous. Oh, yeah, no, they were asking us how much we charge. And, and, yeah, they wanted us to set a price. It was like, no, zero. Like, come on, talk to us. Come on. (laughs) Yeah. Who who, who am I? (laughs) Who who am I to? Yeah, I'm, yeah, no, no, I'm not charging somebody to talk to me. That's not, not the purpose of the show. Anyway. If you, if you take money too, then you don't get to ask real questions anymore. Yeah, yeah, I really value a, a genuine conversation more than anything else. Yes, that's, that's really valuable to me as a per, as a human being. 
Anyway, all right, right it's been topic. a great time getting totally <laughs> off topic. Now we're just hanging out, uh, which is, you know, kind of what we do in the shop. Rambling. We like to ramble. Uh, we want to thank you all for joining us bit. and making it to the end of the show. Uh, we're so glad to have Richard back. And uh, as, as we discussed, we're, we're going we're gonna to start incorporating some of his, uh, his, his methods into to what we're doing. And, and we'll, we'll keep reporting how that works out. Uh, check out his links in the episode description. And uh, until next time, folks, happy trades. Bye, folks. And thank you again, Richard. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Kyle. Thank you, Dan. Really appreciate the time. Oh, you got All it. All right. Oh, that was fantastic. Two Bulls in a China Shop is an entertainment program, and all thoughts and opinions expressed in the show belong to the hosts and not of any company. They are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific security or investment product. It is only intended to provide entertainment about stocks and the financial industry of trading. If you make trades based on what you hear in this show, you assume all risks for those trades.